As you can see this morning, I brought a few fun things to look at. As Brian was wondering, what the heck am I going to do? We got a little machete right here, right? Don't worry, I'm not going Freddy or Jason on anybody, right? No, no got a chainsaw. Just a little machete, right? Nice little plastic knife, huh? How many of us love plastic knives? Aren't they wonderful? Got a butter knife. Butter knife, right? This is a slicing knife. Good old slicing knife. Now, how many of us, I don't know if you guys have seen this before? Spaghetti squash. Spaghetti squash. Isn't this amazing? This thing is wonderful. Now, from the outside, you look at it, I mean, it's kind of hard, it's rough, it's a little discolored, right? And, and there are many people who may pass by this at the grocery store or the farm and say, yeah, can't be anything good in there. And it takes slicing it open. It takes being able to cook it, put a little butter, salt, and pepper, string it out. You can have some good, juicy, wonderful spaghetti squash. But in order to get in here, you're going to need, you know, good slicing knife, right? Good sharp chef knife, slicing knife. You could probably use this one to get in the, into the middle of this sucker, right? I don't think we would try, right? Right? Good. If I try to use a plastic knife, do you think I'm going to get into this sucker right here? Probably not. How many of us know not all knives were created equal? Not all knives, not all knives are the same. Not all knives are the same. And there's a difference in a knife that has a sharp edge. There's a difference with a knife that has a sharp edge compared to a knife that's plastic and can't cut through anything. We're going to hold those thoughts as we get into our scripture for today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 5. Genesis 13, verse 5. Now it says, Lot, who was traveling with Abram, also became very wealthy with flocks, sheep, goats, herds, cattle, many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot, with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abraham and Lot. And at that time, Canaanites, Perizzites, were also living in the land. Verse 8. Finally, Abram said to Lot, Let's not allow this to conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we're close relatives. The whole countryside, it's open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land on the left, I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. So Lot took a long look. Turn to your neighbor and say, long look. A long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the Garden of the Lord, or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 11. 
Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. And he went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan. And Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area, they were extremely wicked. And they constantly sinned against the Lord. And after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, west. I'm giving you all this land as far as you can see. You, your descendants, as a permanent possession. I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go, walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. So Abraham moved his camp to Hebron, and he settled there near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. Mamre. There he built another altar to the Lord. And so this morning our text opens up with a guy named Lot. Turn to Abraham and say, ah, Lot. You know, for this young man in the story who grew up, he lost his dad, he lost his grandpa, and so his uncle had to take him in. He lost his dad, he lost his grandpa who was taking care of him, so then finally Uncle Abe decided to take care of him. And as Lot hung out with his uncle, because his uncle was wonderful, I don't know if you have any wonderful uncles out there, but he had a wonderful uncle. And you know why he was so wonderful? Abram was this man who lived with such a blessing. Abram was this man who lived. There was such a demand with this guy named Abram. There was something about this man. There was something in his heart and his mind and his soul that whoever came into contact with Abram, whoever lived by him, you know what happened? They became blessed. And so Lot became, it said, very wealthy. He was very, very wealthy. And sometimes in our, in our wealth, like Lot, it's important to point out, in his mind, he didn't realize where his wealth came from. See, in Lot's mind, he didn't understand. He thought that as time had gone on, that he had become wealthy, probably from being handsome. Just kidding. Maybe he thought in his mind that he had gathered what he had because of the hard work, the years that he put into, all the things that he did. But there's nothing, 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 nothing that Lot did to make him wealthy. There was nothing at all. And because Lot had become wealthy, as was Abram, it says there was no more room in the land. Can you imagine for a minute being so blessed by God that you had no room to take in one more dollar bill? Can you imagine for one minute that you become so blessed there's not one more good thing that you can handle because there was nothing you could take. You had already been overblessed. You were overfilled. These two men had become so blessed by God that they had no more room. And so unfortunately, sometimes when life is so good, there's certain things that happen. And there's things that happen when it's good or bad, right? But for these two men, there started to be strife. Ah, turn and say, man, I don't know if any of you have ever dealt with someone with strife. Oof. There started to be strife. And it wasn't between Abram and Lot, uncle and nephew. It was between their herdsmen's. It was between their servants. It was between their employees. There started to be controversy. 
Any of us know what controversy looks like? Did any of us know what bitterness looks like? For some reason, these men were, were rich and wealthy and powerful, but their employees started not like each other. The employees started to fight with each other. And so Abraham looks at it and he comes along and he says, you know what? Maybe we should separate. Maybe it's time we separate from each other. And the weird thing to me is, because we know that Abram's very well in years by now. He's probably 80 years old, which isn't old at all, right? 80 is still young, right? 80 is the new 50s. But for, for Abram, he goes to his nephew Lot, and what did he do? He gave his nephew the first pick. Now, how many of us grew up the older, the wiser? more educated person, right? If, if it's going to be respectful, if we're going to honor, wouldn't the old man get the first pick? Shouldn't nephew step in and say, no, 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 no. That's, that's very nice of you, Uncle Abe, but no, 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 no. You're the older, wiser uncle. You've taken care of me all these years. You pick her. No, no, no. Abram, there was something inside of Abram. He knew something. There was something inside of him that he knew. He absolutely knew and so he goes to his nephew and says, you get a pick. You take your first choice. You know, Abram was a peacemaker. Abram was someone who liked to make peace. Someone who in every conversation, every conversation, every place he went, I need to be a man of peace. Proverbs 133 says, all who listen to me, speaking of wisdom, will live in peace untroubled by fear or harm. Proverbs 10.10 10 says, people who wink, people who wink at wrong cause trouble, but a bold reproof, it promotes peace. Proverbs 12.20 says, deceit fills heart, hearts that are plotting evil, but yet joy fills hearts that are planning peace. Proverbs 16.7, when people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies will be at peace with them. Even their enemies will have peace with them. And lastly, Matthew 5, 9, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. How many of us have learned in our life it's really easy to be angry and get into a fight, a disagreement, to have strife, to have bitterness, to be frustrated with someone? Because people, how many of us learn, they don't always do what we want. They don't always say, do. We don't always get it. Our expectations get, you know, damaged, mishandled. God promises for people who are willing to make peace, continually seeking after peace, to continually, I want peace in this situation. I want peace for this person. I want peace for this heart. I want peace for this person. Continually seeking after peace. Abram was a peacemaker. And so he says, nephew, you know what? You take the best pick, man. You go ahead. You pick whatever land you want. You can have that big white mansion over there with the picket fence in the front. You know, the, the three golden retriever dogs that live out front. You can have the best of the best. You can have whatever you want. And so it says that Lot took a very long look. And I wonder what he's thinking during this long look. I wonder if he's thinking, wow, my uncle's being really nice to me. I wonder, I wonder what he's got up his sleeve. I wonder if Lot's thinking for a minute, 
why is he offering me the best and anything is one and maybe there's another maybe there's another plan because how quickly can our minds think of something go negative right or is, is he taking a long look to think well i could i could build a house there that would be perfect look at the grass the rolling hills look over here looks like beautiful people from the outside what was he taking such a long look at and interestingly enough, this poor, this poor fella, he took a very long look, but look, but where he parked next to this place called Sodom. <sighs> I don't know if you've ever pulled into a parking lot and you're saying to yourself, I'm a little close. I hope they don't open their door and scratch my car. Isn't that important where you learn to park your car? You know, if you're trying to take care of your car, some of us don't care, right, about our cars. It's like, I'll park anywhere. They scratch it, dent it. It's just another one, right? It's just a car. But, but some of us, some of we realize in life, it's kind of, if we want to take care of what I drive, it's important where I park. Lot didn't have this in his brain because he parked his life, his wife, his daughters, next to his neighbors, Sodom. You know what it said about Sodom? They were extremely wicked. Extremely wicked. Now, I'm thinking, and maybe I'm thinking wrong here, but he had to have known what the people, what your neighbors are like. I think he would have had to know a little bit that there's something wrong with that group of people over there. But because it looks so good, because the land had the most to offer. Because the land itself looked extremely perfect. I'm thinking, he said, you know what? I'll live next to those weird people, but at least I have somewhere nice to live. Sometimes in our decision making, see, we think we're getting the best. And we can let a little evil live around here. And that's okay. Sometimes we think, ah, I'm going to go over here, and that's okay. I know I'm going to be next to these weirdos over here, and I'm going to be over with these people over here. Everything's going to be fine. But unfortunately, for a lot of his stories we're going to see later on, when you pick a place, no matter how good it looks, if it's the wrong place, you always pay. You always pay. As soon as uh, Lot leaves and his family, God speaks to Abram immediately. He says, Abram. This is what I love. He comes to Abraham and he says, look, everywhere you go, this land, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. Now, wait a second. Abram just had a conversation with the nephew Lot and said, you go wherever you want. You pick whatever you want. And so he did, right? But God comes to Abram and he says, you know what? He might be renting that space over there, but guess who's the owner? He says to Abram, you're the owner of this land. Everywhere you go. He says, look everywhere, right, left, north, south, everywhere. This belongs to you. Not only to you, to your future generations, to your sons and your grandsons and all those things. God says, this place is yours. And so what does Abram do? He builds an altar. 
Why did he build an altar? Altars to commune with God, to pray, to worship, to remember, and to recite all of God's promises. An altar to remind him to have this moment of remembrance. So Abram, after hearing God speak to him, he feels renewed. After hearing God's voice, pledged to my allegiance to God once again. After he hears God speaking to him, he feels refueled. He went to the gas station, and he got the premium in the tank, and he is feeling so so good in this moment. For Abram, he's getting refocused as he builds this altar. It's such a beautiful story between Abram and Lot, and it's really a story of distinction. Turn your neighbor and say distinction. Really between two men and making choices in life. And we see that for Lot, you know, chapter 14 that beautiful, perfect place where he lived. Do you know what happened to him next? He gets kidnapped. Lot, the next part of his life, the land that he picked, there was four kings that came in. And you know what they did? They ran off with all their money and all their wealth, all their goods, all their livestock. He picked the best of the best. This was going to be perfect for my wife and my daughters. Everything here is so good. But the choice that he made sometimes just leads from one bad thing to another. He gets kidnapped. And you know who had to bail him out? You know how to bail him out again? Abram. Now, there was four kings. Go like this. Four. One, two, three, four. Four kings who came in. And took over the whole town. But guess what? There was one man who came and got it all back. How could one man erase what four kings did? Why? Wow, he had God on his side. He had God on his side, right? Chapter 14, if you go through chapter 14 to chapter 19, it just keeps getting worse for Lot. And you know what happened for poor Lot in this story? He settled outside of town because it looked so good. And then he decided to settle in town. He got involved. He got involved with the people. He became friends with certain people. He became someone who watched the gate, so he was involved with what was going around with the city. Even though these people, these were the worst people in this day and time. They were grotesque. But yet the land had, had so much to offer. The land had so much. It was so good. So actually, if you pick up your Bibles, we're going to go to Genesis 19, and let's see what happens a lot in this family. Genesis 19, starting in verse 4. It says, Before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city, and they surrounded the house, and they shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? He's talking, there's two angels who came to Lot's house. Bring them out so we can have sex with them. So Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. And he says to the men, please, brothers, he begged them, don't do such a wicked thing. And we're going to skip to Galatians 5.19. If you have your Bibles, Galatians towards the end of the Bible, all the way towards the end, Galatians 5.19. And it says this in Galatians 5.19. It says, when you follow the desires 
of our sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And Paul says, let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone who lives like this, this sort of life, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if we were to stop right here in this part of the story, it's kind of a very sobering thought. It's a very sobering verse. If we were to stop right there with Paul's words, with him saying, none of these people, none, even jealous, even people with outbursts of anger, people who are full of envy, dissension, people who love to cause division. Because how many of us know our world is full of people, even though they're on the nice on the outside, look wonderful, sweet, handsome, inside constantly they cause division. Paul says none of these people will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Oh, ouch. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. Paul says none will inherit the kingdom of heaven. You know, if you listen to the words of Jesus, I don't know if you ever go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, some of the things that Jesus said were crazy. He said, if your eye causes you to sin, what did he say? Pluck it out. He said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now you know why I got this here today. Just kidding. Jesus, sometimes talking with religious leaders, called them whitewashed tombs. Some of the words that he said were so strong in his language. We see that in Jesus. Now we see that repeated with Apostle Paul. Very strong language. Why? Did Jesus really want us to go around and pluck out our eyes? Did Jesus really honestly want us to cut off our hands if we do something wrong? He needed to make a point. The point is, the point with Paul, this world is broken. Sometimes we don't see our brokenness because brokenness is what we think we're used to and what we're comfortable with. Every one of us in here, we are born broken. There are things that are just broken, like a clock that doesn't have a battery. It's just not working. There are things inside of us. The Bible says we are all born broken. We all at somewhere and some point in life could have gotten off track and we made a left turn when we should have gone right. We should have gone straight, but we went right instead. We should have turned around, but we kept on going. Every one of us in this room, somewhere, little or big, somewhere, instead of asking for directions, we decided, I'd rather get lost. We're all born. Jesus spoke words that wanted, that he needed to make a point. He said, if you don't, and this is crazy to me, he said, if you don't hate father, mother, wife, kids, 
He says, you're not worthy of being my disciple. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, he said, if you don't give up everything for me, you're not worthy of being mine. Now, did he know 2,000 years ago that every single person would just absolutely hand over everything? No. What was he doing? Jesus was making a point. Jesus told a story one time. Two men went to the temple to pray. He said, one man stood at the altar, and he said, God, thank you. I'm so wonderful. Fresh haircut, dressed nice and fine today. God, I got a great job. Sitting there blabbing about himself. And he said, on the other side, there was an altar. Of the altar, there was a man who said he couldn't even look up. And this man prayed, God, just forgive me because I'm a sinner. This was the point that Jesus needed and wanted to make. This was the point that Paul needed and wanted to make. We can look at life. We can look at ourselves two ways. We can stand and we can blab and we can brag about us and all the good things that we do and where we go and how we help this, this, and this, do this, and this. Man, if you're on that direction, you're off the path. God said, I'm looking for a heart that comes to me that understands we're all born broken. We all need forgiveness. We're all sinners. And we all must come to God saying, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. 2 Corinthians 5.21. And sometimes you can read a story and sometimes you can read about a person. And sometimes you can watch, you know, a movie. And you're just left wanting. You read a story. You read things. And you're saying, ah, that's confusing to me. I don't understand. We can be left with certain things in the Bible and saying, God, I just don't understand. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, and then God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we can be made right with God through Christ. There is absolutely good news every single day. I'm born broken, but Jesus makes me whole. I'm born, I'm dealing with sickness, but Jesus can heal my body. I don't have everything that I need and want in life, but Jesus said, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I was born broken, but Jesus, he makes me whole. And so this morning as we start to round the corner, I don't know if you like to drive fast and go around those corners. Sometimes it's a lot of fun. Depends what kind of car you're in, right? But as we start around the corner this morning, we want to finish out Lot and Abraham. And then we want to get to our main theme and topic of the day. Bob was a man like any of one of us. He worked hard. He was a family man, a wife, some daughters. Became wealthy. But for him, unfortunately, sometimes in life, he learned some really hard lessons. Just like many of us in here, I'm sure there are some hard lessons that we've learned. And so as we walk away, there's a couple things that stand out really, really big. Number one, 
God wants us to understand no matter how big and no matter how much stuff we get in life, it did not come by our own power. Even by working hard, who gives us the ability to work hard? God. No matter if we have some creative idea and solution and we become a zillionaire, who gave us that creative idea? God did. And so number one, Lot did not understand this. He didn't understand that every single thing that I have, it's not because of me. It's because of my uncle. It's because this man that I've lived with, he has faith, trust, and God. Because he has a blessing from God. Lot forgot. And you know what, we, what happens when you forget? Your brain becomes foggy. Your brain becomes cloudy. And you know what? You don't make good decisions. Forgetful. Ah, I should have did this. And so for Lot, unfortunately, there's a few things that he did that really screwed up his life. The choices that he made, I think this looks good. It sounds good, so it must be good. Nope. No, it wasn't. And there's many choices that we make sometimes. This looks good. This sounds good. So it should be good. No. No, it isn't. And so for Abraham and Lot, we see the difference Abraham was a man who learned to trust God, believe in God, and wait for God. He didn't, see, he didn't have to pick the best land because he knew God was going to bring the best to him. He was going to lead him to the best. He didn't have to go to the place where there was a river and a lake and waterfall and it had milk flowing with honey and all these different things. You know why? Because Abraham knew my faith is in God. I can go to this desert land over here, and you know what's going to happen? God's going to fill it with water. I don't have to go over here and do this, and I don't have to go over there and do this. I just have to keep listening and trusting and following God, and God will bring that blessing. See, sometimes we get so in a hurry. I don't know if you're a hurry kind of person. Are you a hurry kind of person? Sometimes we hurry. I need a blessing now. I need this now. I got to make this happen. I got to make it happen. I got to make it happen. I got to make it happen. But you know when you live like that, I got to make this happen. I need this fulfilled. I got to check this off the bucket list. I got to do this. I got to If you're the hurry kind of person, most of the time those hurried decisions are the wrong ones. They're the wrong ones. Because for picking out good doesn't mean that you're getting his best. For picking out what looks good and sounds good does not mean that you're getting his best. When you get God's best, you know that it's his best. And so we close with one last story, and then we're going to wrap up here this morning. It's crazy. At the end of this story... If you go to Genesis back to 19, 19 starting in verse 15. It says, at dawn the next morning, the angels, and I don't think I put it on the screen, sorry. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife, your two daughters who are here. Get out right now, or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand 
in the hands of his wife, two daughters, and they rushed them to safety outside the city, for the Lord was merciful. When they're safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your life and don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you're going to be swept away. Oh, no, my Lord, Lot begged. You've been so gracious to me. You saved my life. You've shown me such great kindness. But I can't go to the mountains. Disaster would catch up to me there, and it would, I would soon die. Lot says to the angels, there's a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. All right, the angel said, I'm going to grant your request. I will not destroy the little village. But hurry, verse 22, escape to it, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. And this was explains what the village was known as Zoar, which means the little place. Lot reached that village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. And then the Lord rained down fire burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them, along with other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. But white, wait, Lot's wife, she looked back as she was falling behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. And unfortunately, life, it is a tale of what choice we make. Life is a story of what knife we carry. Life is a story of what knife we choose to pick up. No matter how good and strong and sturdy this is, does it mean that this is the knife that I need? If we were to compare ourselves this morning, squash life and knives, we keep ourselves sharp to be able to handle everything that God puts in front of us. See, sometimes life, we're choosing to be dull and made of plastic. And no matter what happens, man, man, we get broken so easy. We get broken and smashed to pieces because we're not keeping ourselves sharp. There's only one way that you are able to handle all that life gives you. And that's through the power of God. That's through the power of Jesus Christ. That's through the power of believing in his word and all that he says. A plastic, dull knife. A person who's always up and down and all around. Someone who's constantly being broken by this and this and this and this. Unwilling to make the right decision because there's something clouding the brain. We started this series called The Big Picture. Turn to your neighbor and say, Big Picture. And we started by saying, God, give us the ability to see. You see, because as we look at the creation and as we look at the sun and the moon and the stars and we look at our bodies and our DNA and our blood and as we look at our brain and how powerful these brains are and we look at our eyeballs to know how magnificent these eyes and fingerprints and just every part of us that God created, the more you study the creation, it points to a creator. And so the beginning, the very beginning of life and the importance of life is understanding everything has a beginning. Everything has a starting point. Everything in life begins with understanding there's a creator. And I'm created. And the more you think about that, 
the more you see that, this will change your life for the better. And the minute you start to see, the minute you start to look around, then we start to listen. I didn't hear that before. I didn't really see that in that Bible verse before. The more you see, the more you're looking for him, the more you understand creation, 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 God, creator, creator, creator. All of a sudden, our ears, for some reason, some of the spiritual earwax comes out. It's like, wow, I've never heard that before because I saw and now I'm hearing. And then when I start to see and when I start to listen, you know what happens? Now there's a battle. And so we said, God, give me the ability to see. God, give me the ability to listen. But now, one of the most important things, God, give me the ability to discern. God, give me the ability to discern life. Because there's truth and there's lies. There's dark and there's light. There are so many things that are in this little planet called Earth. And there are people who are making good choices. A lot of us are making bad choices sometimes because we're not using discernment. And sometimes it's really hard to discern. Sometimes it's really hard to discern. And this is the ability to make the right decision. The ability to make the right decision. How do I go about my day, Sunday through Saturday, making that right decision? How do I learn to make good choices? You know, Apostle Paul said the ability to discern, it's a gift that comes from God. It's a gift to be able to understand how to make a choice. And so we end with this this morning. The angels come to Lot, our good man Lot in the story today. He says, God's given you a second chance. God's given you a new life. Here's a fresh start. Time to make better choices. All you have to do, run! And don't look back. Run! Don't look back. Run! Don't look back. Run! And you got to love Lot because, you know, he says, I can't run up to the mountain. That's too far. Can I just get to this little village over here? And he'll say, fine, fine, just get to the village. Why did he need to run? God was bringing judgment on the people of Sodom and Gomorrah because they were so evil. Just like one day, every single person will have to give an answer for the lives that we lived on this earth. God executed judgment because these people would not change their ways. They lived disgusting lives, doing disgusting things to each other and other people. And God had had enough. Just as one day when this world ends, enough. And then we all face the judgment seat of Christ. And God says we will stand before him and we'll all give an account of our life. God had had enough on this little village. And he gave two instructions, run and don't look back. You know, we as people, these two things we have a really hard time with. 
We really know how to run into sometimes the bad choices and bad decisions. But we have a really hard time running away and doing what's right. Sometimes we have a really hard time running away from evil, running away from things that we said. Sometimes as people, we've said, we've made comments, this is who I am, this is what I do, and then we have a hard time re when we realize, I shouldn't be like that. We can't even get away from ourselves. Because we said, this is the image of who I am. The angel said two things, run. And number two, this is the other one. Stop looking back. This is extremely difficult for people today. They moved to this place. They got a beautiful home. They had a beautiful life. They had a beautiful family. I don't blame the wife for looking back because this was the life that they built together. This was everything that they had and they built together. But you know what? It was built incorrect. And it was never meant to be. And so some of us this morning, God wants to bless you with so much more. And he's saying, why do you still look back? Why do you keep running back to yesteryear when it's more a blessing that I have for you here right now? Sometimes... I don't know if any of us work out this morning, or all of us, right? We're all in good shape. And how many of us know when you work out, you can't just jump on a treadmill or jump on a bench and you're superhuman, superwoman overnight, right? No matter, I, now, I wish I could snap my fingers, just, you know, good to go. There's a lot of people who cheat to get there. There's a lot of people who take different things and they try to get their way there. But you know what happens when you stop cheating? Those muscles disappear. If you work out every single day, putting in hard work and sacrifice, those muscles will be built for a long time. We as people, for some reason as Christians, it's really, really hard to understand God is a God of process. God is, a pro God is in the process of a journey. The journey takes time. The journey takes waiting. The journey takes learning to see, listen, and discern. What is he asking of me this morning? Stop looking back and run to the place I tell you to be. That's it. It's simple. Abraham wasn't a perfect man in the story. But one thing he did know, I'm going to trust God no matter what he tells me to do. What's God asking us this morning? Where is he asking us to trust? Where is God asking us to believe? Where is God asking us to step out into? Where is God calling every one of us? If we were to walk around with the microphone and we were to ask the question, what has God called me here to do? Is that something that we can answer? If you were to have to stand up and say, this is what God's called me to do, do you have that answer, that calling? And that calling and that question, it doesn't, for Abram, he had no idea. But you know what he kept doing? One step at a time. One step at a time in the right direction. And this morning, are our lives headed in that right direction? Let's pray.